Hey folks, welcome back to the podcast. It's just me today, so uh, I guess, I don't know if I always feel like I should apologize that it's just me because Tim's not here, but uh, nonetheless, it is just me today. And uh, we're going to jump into and finish up Second Peter today. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, going to be an interesting study. Looks like I just lost my power cord on my computer. Maybe we can. So, um, if you're out there watching, uh, be sure to like, comment. Um, lots going on. I always feel kind of weird trying to do the podcast by myself because you know you got to run everything and 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 get it streaming. And there's the Bible study. Um, going to be talking about what do we do while we're waiting for the Lord's return. That's what we're going to talk about today. So. Dial in, grab your Bible, get to 2 Peter. We're going to be in chapter 3, and we'll see you back here in just a second. All right, we are back. Hey, I'm going to share this to um, our group that's in the ministry. Let's see if we can't put that out there for people. We'll post that. Also want to share it to our page in case anybody's out there wanting to listen. There we go. Share that sucker. Alrighty. What do we got going on here? Okay. Hi, Tanya. Riddle looks like you are watching with us. I'm glad for that. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, folks, Again, I'm just trying to, to get this through by myself today. So if you're out there, holler at me, uh, wave, say hi, comment. Um, all of Second Peter is talking about false teachers and what we're going to do with them and what do we do with them. And actually, the last chapter is talking about God's promises and you know those sorts of things. And what do we do while we're waiting you know, for God's return, for, for Jesus to come back? And uh, how do we keep ourselves busy? Um, do want you to stick around after we get through discussing this text. At the end, we've got some things going on, some things happening this weekend. And so I um, uh, want you to hang around and check out for that. But up to this point in Second Peter, uh, we've been talking about, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to summarize this. Really, one of the big lessons that's been in Second Peter is, hey, false teachers are coming. And he, he, if you even go back into uh, chapter 2, it says not only are there going to be false teachers, but there's, they're going to come out of our own ranks. In other words, they're going to be your friends, they're going to be your church members, they're going to be professing Christians, and, and they're just going to be there. And one of the, the messages that we've been kind of pounding through this particular, this particular study is, is that it, it's nothing to get freaked out about. I mean, there's nothing, no reason to worry about it. Um, it's just coming. It's going to happen. Um, and our inclination oftentimes is to just really attack them. Now, I'm not saying we don't protect the flock. If you're a senior pastor or, you know, a, a, in a position of leadership, yeah, you, you definitely have to protect the flock. Um, but at the same time, don't panic. And so we jumped into chapter three last week a little bit about, you know, how we're supposed to 
to handle it? What are we supposed to do? And we, we started talking about it. Um, if you got your Bible there and we go to Second Peter 3, I, I like verse 3 to kind of jump off today, and then we're going to fast forward. But he says, above all, be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last day, scoffing and following their own evil desires. A little bit last week, we talked about how do you tell a false teacher from one who's not a false teacher. Um, the short, simple, it's almost tried answer is, is you got to study the word, listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, John 16 says the Spirit will lead you into all truth, and you study His word to bring that truth to your life. And so when false teaching comes in, you know it. Um, we seem to have this culture, however, that, you know, well, let me back up. I, gr I grew up in a world that had a culture that you're not allowed to question the pastor. You're never allowed to question anything like that. Whatever he says goes. Um, and and I, don't, I don't even know that it was explicitly taught that way. I know it was by some of the guys that I listened to on radio and tapes that ages me a little bit and CDs and things. I don't know that I ever heard that from our home church, you know, from the pulpit, but it was definitely... Um, around i know i heard it from some some of our my extended family members you know i was always quoting you know that scripture touch lay not thine hand to god's anointed do thy prophets no harm and that was used as a a verse to say you can never question um however i go to the scriptures mm, man it's a good cup of coffee today i go to the scriptures and, you know, and I see the Bereans were challenging what they heard through the scriptures daily to make sure that what they were hearing was the truth. And, and there's an encouragement in scripture for us to be that way. And I want to encourage you to be that way. And that's exactly how we, we find dealing with false teaching or, or at least recognizing false teachings. When we get into, um, into this place, you know, into this text, he says, I just want you to know that they're coming. And then he says, the interesting thing is, is that they're going to be following their own evil desires. And that is a big key in finding out is someone here is a false teacher. I mean, obviously, first, they're teaching bad theology. They're teaching things that aren't in Scripture, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when they're pursuing their own desires, when they're elevating their agenda, when they're elevating their own selves, then there's, I'm not saying that identifies everybody that's doing that as a false teacher. I'm saying that's a red flag, and it, it would, should cause us pause. Your little spidey senses should start going off. Verse 4, he says, and here's what they'll say. Where is his coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue as they have been, as they have been uh, since the beginning of creation. Here's what he's getting at. He said people who will come in and will say, look, I don't know that Jesus is coming back. Nothing has changed. There's still bad junk in the world. He was supposed to make things better. He didn't. And, and they're pursuing and purveying their own twisted idea of who Jesus is. I've always found this interesting that they're not atheists or even agnostics. They seem to have an, an ascended or an ascension belief in who Jesus is. Um, it's just that they believe wrongly about him, that he's not coming back. And, and, and I may be reading too much into that, but that's what the, the way it seems. But look at verse 5. They deliberately overlook this. That's an important word about deliberately. It's something that they do intentionally. We talked about this last week, meaning that they know the truth and they on purpose deny the truth. And here what it is. By the word of God, the heavens came into being long ago and the earth was brought about from water, through water, and through these, the world of that time perished when it was flooded. By the same word, verse 7, the present heavens and earth are stored up for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. 
with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. Let me summarize it like this. What they're, he says they've forgotten, number one, what God did in the past. They've forgotten that what's going to happen in the future, that he destroyed it once with water, but now we're being stored up uh, and, and the time, in other words, we're waiting for him to bring his judgment and, and, and things are going to be destroyed by fire, whatever that means. Go have conversations about that, uh, you know, in terms of, of what the ramifications of that are. But he says, don't forget with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. Now, a bunch of people get kind of freaked out about that. And they're like, oh, so that's an exact prescriptive one day. Is a and they start wanting to calculate things. Um, he's using literary comparison here, metaphor, simile, those sorts of things. And he's saying, to me, he's communicating because we see in other scriptures that we can balance with. God doesn't live in time. He's not bound by time. He created time. And, and what seems like forever to us, a thousand years, to us, it's, a, it's a millennium. It's forever. To him, it's like a day. It's, it's inconsequential to him, in other words. Uh, the message that's really being sent, sent to us there is, is, is pretty simple. It's that, is that God uh, doesn't see and mark time like we do. So just because it looks like it's been a while, it, it doesn't mean that he ain't coming. Okay, And he says these false teachers will get up and that's what they'll say. But he says in verse 9, The Lord is not delaying his promise. As, the, as some understand delay. Again, he, we might see it as him delays, not coming. These false teachers are saying, you know, where is he? What, what's happening? He says, he doesn't count delay like we count delay, but he's patient, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and on that day the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, etc., etc. Here's the admonition. Don't grow weary and waiting he's like jesus is coming you don't know the time and and it for us it's taking forever it, it's like we're little kids you know on christmas eve waiting for christmas morning to come seems like it'll never get here um, but that doesn't mean it's not coming uh, i don't want to oversimplify this but that's really what he's saying he's saying false teachers are going to come in these last days and they're going to say maybe it even feels like he's not coming back like he's just not I thought he was supposed to make this better by now. I mean, the disciples kind of thought the same thing. And it just wasn't the way that God had it planned out. And he's saying, be patient. But I want to jump down to verse 14. He says, therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things. Now, he's going to jump in in verse 14. He says, while you're waiting. Waiting for what? Waiting for Jesus to return. Waiting for the judgment, waiting for the, the heavens and the earth to pass away by fire. While we're waiting, what are we supposed to do? And it's in the context of these false teachers. I mean, there's, and I want to be careful. I don't want to speak ill of, of, of other people and other ministries by any means. But it doesn't take much, and we talked about this before, for you to look around the internet, go to a few churches, and find that there are false teachers. Sometimes we find false teachers in our mainstream churches that we, we respect and they're just teaching things that aren't scripture as if they were scripture, that's a false teaching. Um, uh, they're just teaching twisted versions of scripture, of, of biblical ideas, that's false teaching. And there's no shortage of it out there. There's, there's plenty to go around, if you will, if you want to say it that way, of false teaching. So what are we supposed to do about it while we're waiting for God's judgment for 
and, and he's he's speaking of it in the sense of his judgment, but he's also speaking of it in the sense of our um uh, I, I just drew a complete blank on the word, our redemption. You know, there's hope in the resurrection, there's hope in the second coming of Christ. So what are we supposed to do? He's first thing he says is make every effort. We see that phrase happening a lot. We see it over in, in Timothy, where he talks about it's translated to be diligent but make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight at peace. I want to be careful because I've got some dear friends that this may touch. One of the things that I see in the church and in, in evangelicalism and Christian world right now is because there is a very real belief, and I believe it's not crazy to believe that Jesus coming is near. That we're wrapping this thing up. I, I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but um, the signs are there that this could that we could be in that season, and a lot of people kind of freak out about that. Oh, the Antichrist is coming. We got to stop him. Well, I, I don't. I'm not in that camp because I believe that the Antichrist is part of God's plan. He's going to come. We can't stop him. He's God's plan, uh, but we can prepare for his coming. Uh, we but we better be focused on preparing for Jesus coming way more than whatever bad we think is coming. Um, but what I see is an absence of peace as we look to the future, as we look to the second coming, as we look to the coming judgment of God. I I, I see a lot of chaos and a lot of fear and a lot of trembling, a lot of hate and and spew coming out of people's mouth. And he says, while you're waiting, be diligent, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight and at peace. So we should be working to, to maintain holiness, to, re, to separate ourselves from sin, um, to be prepared for his coming like the bride that he's coming after. Um, and it says she'll be clothed in white and, and unspotted and unwrinkled. That's what he says. Just let's make every effort to make sure that. So there's work on our part to be done. We've got to make our efforts to make sure that and to be at peace about it. I would translate that or, or to encourage us, don't freak out that the, even the judgment's coming, that Jesus is coming, that there are false teachers in the world, this place is going to hell in a handbasket, all those sorts of things. Um, and there's quite a bit of stuff to point your fingers at in our culture right now. But he's like, don't freak out, remain in peace as you wait. Verse 15, also regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him. He's like, Instead of saying, Jesus hasn't come yet, I guess he's not coming, he says, take the heed of what Paul wrote to you, which is he's coming, he's counting, this is his patience. He's given us time. He's giving people time to bring in the harvest. And when the harvest is done, he will come. But he's like, don't panic that he's coming. Don't panic that he hasn't come. You take peace in that he will. Just find his peace, find his rest. And count his, what we would consider his tarry, the fact that he hadn't come yet. It's his salvation. It's his mercy, okay? And I love what he says about Paul, verse 16. He speaks about these things in all his letters, and that's true. Paul had like one sermon that he wrote all the time. There are some things hard to understand in them. Okay, let me just finish reading, and i got something to say about that. The untaught and the unstable will twist them to their own destruction, as they also do with the rest of the Scriptures. He's talking again about the false teachers. I think it's very interesting that he first, he, in 15, he refers to Paul as our dear brother. So he, he's, even though he and Paul had locked up one time, we remember about 
Peter acting not appropriate and being bigoted and all that kind of stuff. But he's his dear brother, and I believe he believed that. I believe he felt that way. But he was like, hey, I even know that Paul's writings are difficult to understand. <laughs> Here's Peter who walked with Jesus from the beginning, okay, was around before Paul. He was an apostle before Paul. He was the guy, one of the guys. He was the one, Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is that guy. And he's like, yeah, there's some stuff in his letters it's hard to understand. And what happens is, is instead of trying to understand it, people take it and they twist it. And people still do that. They take stuff out of Romans particularly and get some weird doctrines out of it and, and weird practices out of it because they're not discerning the scriptures. In verse 17, he says, Therefore, dear friends, since you know this in advance, be on your guard. Since I know what in advance? Since you know that there are going to be false teachers, that the stuff in Paul is hard to understand for the untaught and the unlearned, he says just take it with the Spirit and know ahead of time, guard your heart against the false teaching that might come out of you. It's easy for us to point the finger out and say, oh, he's a false teacher, she's a false teacher, they're false teachers. Um, but what's harder is to guard our own heart against false teaching that would come from us. I can tell you in 26, 7, whatever it is, years worth of ministry, I can look back to things I taught in my early uh, years as a pastor that were just simply wrong. Uh, they just weren't right. I was just not interpreting scripture well. A lot of times I was preaching what I had been told or what I thought about what I'd been told instead of what I was finding in scriptures. And I thank the Lord that he brought me out of that um, particular idea and thinking on things. But they were false. I wasn't doing it on purpose, but it was hard to see in myself. And so he's saying, guard your heart. Okay, be on your guard so that you're not led away by the error of lawless people and fall from your own stable position. Now, you can turn this little cookie over and find another really, what I think is a, is a dangerous and it can be hurtful, um, and I think false thing is you can say, well, look, we got to be really careful not to fall from our own stable position. Therefore, everybody who doesn't believe like we believe have an unstable position and we can't communicate with any of them. We can't have anything to do with them and we isolate ourselves in the body of Christ because we're scared to death of falling from our own stable position. What I would encourage you to do is be a beret and, and check and see that your position, that you, whatever it is that you hold, whatever doctrine or theology that you're holding to, that you're like, I, I can't fellowship with other, with other believers over this thing or that thing. Is it really biblical? Are you, and are you sure it's biblical because you've studied it or because someone's told you? One of the things in our ministry we always try to do is point people back to the text and point people back to the scriptures. We're going to get it wrong. You're going to get it wrong from time to time. 2,000 years of scholastic history and academic history that we stand on the shoulders of, they're going to have gotten some of it wrong. Smarter men than me have gotten it wrong. Um, and I've gotten it wrong. And I promise you have too. So he says to be on your guard. And be sure that whatever it is that you're, is in your to die for bucket is actually scripture. I mean, that it's, a, it's an extremely important thing. And then he wraps up and he says, but do this, grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory now and to the day of eternity. What am I supposed to do that there's false teachers? Well, I'm supposed to have peace and don't worry about it. Don't freak out about it. I've got to know the real thing, know the word, and be on guard that I'm not teaching it 
be on guard when it comes into me. doesn't mean I have to root out every root of it and expose it to the world on social media. But what it does mean is, is that I might not need to let it into my house or into my church or into my Sunday school class or fill in the blank. Be on guard. Be diligent to grow in grace and knowledge, he says. Grow in grace. The only way you really grow in grace is receive it and give it. you got to live and operate in grace. And then you grow in it and you learn how to live in it. But he says to grow in that and to grow in knowledge. I think it's extremely important, too, for all of us to remember that God didn't intend for us to just get saved and quit. Part of what he's has called us to do, we see this in Hebrews, we see this here, we see it in other places in 1 Peter, uh, I believe, yeah, in 1 Peter, I believe it's chapter 1, where he says to add to your faith, knowledge. You, There's a study element involved. Well, I don't, I don't know how to study. Then you need to learn. We'd be happy to teach you. I don't know how to read. Well, then you need to learn to read, even if it's only to read the scriptures. Or if you've got a phone, you can have it read to you. Have someone read. There's a million different ways you can get to studying the word, whether it's listening to teaching. Um, uh, and, I'm, and I pray everybody that sees this is attached to a local congregation. I pray that everybody that, 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 that hears these words um, have a congregation and a fellowship that they're, they're involved in, whether it's a small one, a big one, a small group or something a level of accountability where you can be known and know others. But you listen to them. Listen to the Holy Spirit. But you get in the Word. And, and even say, well, it's just hard for me. Um, I want to encourage you, you know, to, to get, if you're just beginning, get a New Living Translation or, or an easy reading translation to start with. Um, I love the New Living Translation. It's so simple in the way that, I mean, it's, it's not simple like dumbed down. It's just easy to understand. And it's, the onus is on us. It's our responsibility. And especially here, according to second, to Peter in his second letter, he's like, be on guard for these false teachers. Don't panic. Stay in God's peace. But be diligent. Make every effort. Grow in knowledge. Know what it is that you believe. We say it all the time on here, and I will say it again, and then I'll probably going to close today. But God can handle your questions. I'm not inviting you to go out and shake your fist at God and be belligerent, but where you've got questions and you need wisdom, he says, ask, and he'll give it. He can handle it. If you look through scriptures, men and women have been asking him questions and having doubts and, and fears since the beginning. He can handle it. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to say, why do I believe this doctrine or this theology? And if someone, if you go to someone and say, tell me why we, we believe this or why do you believe this, um, don't just take, well, because we've always believed it or make them show you in the scriptures. Be Bereans. Make them, and if they don't know, then if they're worth their salt, they'll figure it out. One of the things I love about my dad, um, is, he's a minister, and you know, for years we've been able to sit down and say, Dad, why do, why do you believe this? Or here's what I believe. And, and, and the, the rule of thumb he has always given is, well, let's go to the scriptures and look. And if he finds something in there that maybe goes against something maybe he's always thought, he's willing to change what he's always thought. Simply because, even at a 70-something-year-old man, uh, I've seen him change his mind on things because he dug into the Word and was like, man, I'm just not sure that what I thought was there is there. And man, I can respect that, and, and he's my hero for that. I hope that for the rest of my days that the Lord gives me here, uh, I can look into God's Word and, and let it change me and what I think. And I think that's part of what Peter is telling these in this letter or saying to us in this letter is there are going to be false teachers out there. Don't panic about it. 
The, the kingdom of God and the plan of God is not going to be thwarted by them. Yes, stay on guard. Be diligent. Make every effort to grow in grace. You grow in knowledge. Build yourself up in the faith. But don't panic. Don't freak out. You know, I see a lot of people thinking, oh, they're going to derail this thing. The whole, Even with the whole Southern Baptist Convention controversy that's going on right now, they're like, oh, the whole thing's derailed. If the convention derails, that doesn't mean that the kingdom derails, right? And his plan's going to get done. And we have to believe it. We have to resolve ourselves to it and believe in his sovereignty. Uh, this Sunday, I'm going to be at the Calvary Baptist Church in Trinidad uh, preaching for them. If you want to come out and, and, and hear us speak and give a word, uh, it's a small, small congregation in Trinidad, and uh, I'm sure they'd love to see a few new faces. But uh, we'll be out there. We're going to be several times in the month of July, several times in the month of August, um, uh, just trying to help uh, some struggling churches that, that need some pulpit supply. So if you want to join us for that, keep your ears open, possibly for uh, we're talking about doing another Bible study training here locally and um, would love for some of you guys to come and sit through that, give us feedback, help us improve it. But uh, that's about all I've got for today. So if you're if you're listening to this and it's not live, you're listening to it later on, on Spotify or YouTube, whatever, please go ahead and, and comment anyway that, that you were listening. It really is encouraging to us. It helps us not only with the algorithms, but it just helps us to know that you're out there listening. We appreciate you guys, and we just try to come and do what we say uh, in our ministry is to help you learn, teach, repeat, according to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. I'll be glad when Tim can be, be back with me. I hate just sitting here talking to the camera. Um, it's just harder when you don't have somebody to bounce things off of. Um, maybe next time he's out, we'll arrange for an interview of some sort where we can have somebody come sit with us and, and think ahead a little bit better. But I'm glad you joined us today. You guys have a great day, and enjoy your long weekend. Happy Fourth of July. Bye-bye.